Welcome to the Witty and Gritty Podcast, where we believe that lifelong learning and relentless determination are essential to developing your passions and reaching your goals. Here to help you along the way are the hosts of the show. Take it away, ladies. Hey, y'all. I'm Brooke. And I'm Farron. As educators and high achievers, we're passionate about providing our listeners with effective strategies to help navigate life's obstacles and reach your goals sooner. Join us as we break down credible research that gives you a fresh perspective and challenges your limiting beliefs. Laugh and grow as we share personal anecdotes and interviews from people that have demonstrated what it takes to be successful. By implementing these practices, you will develop your unique skill set and learn how to better serve your community. Get your mind right. And enjoy this time designed just for you. This is episode 110. He is the middle of our three Atomic Habits interviews. It's Pierre Cannings. This episode is awesome. I went back and took so many notes. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Okay, so today we brought on Pierre Cannings, and he is the assistant pastor at Living Word Fellowship down in Houston, and he oversees youth, missions and discipleship, and he's also an adjunct professor at the College of Biblical Studies. So, Pierre, you know what you're talking about, apparently, right? So, welcome. We are so happy to have you on the show. No, it is truly a privilege. I, I, I am honored to be here, privileged to be here, and thankful for what y'all do, especially to the audience in which you target. So, it's always a privilege to be in front of y'all. So, thank y'all for the opportunity. Yes, and a fellow Austin College alum. I hear back in your AC days, you went by PC. Anyone still call you PC? No, not at all. <laughs> Okay, that's not a thing. <laughs> only my college friends. You know what? It might have only been Jacob. <laughs> uh, okay, so it's all about Atomic Habits by James Clear, and we are bringing you on, and we like to have the spiritual element. We're coming to you as the expert to talk about some, maybe some spiritual disciplines and some habits that we can make as Christians to become closer to God. Awesome. Uh, I don't know, spiritual expert is kind of up there, we're just going to make sure we, we, we lean on the expert, the only one we have. So I, I'll do my best to, to, to bring as much spiritual truth as we can. So I love that. All right. So today we're going to kind of hit on the topics of things that we talk about a lot, like reading your Bible consistently or practicing prayer. Some people aren't sure even like, hey, God, how was your day? We don't know how to pray necessarily <laughs> or worship. All of these are kind of spiritual disciplines. But what would you say? Are the benefits of doing these things consistently? So I did all, like, it's funny, because I, I did all the best I could to do as much research as I could before. And one of the books I'll recommend for people that want to know, um, are, are interested, is his last name is Willard, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Dallas Willard, Spirit of the Disciplines. And that was something I thought was interesting, because we had to read about this in seminary. So... I think the best way to put it, and this is my personal opinion, just to give a generic opinion, is in a world where we can kind of have postmodernistic views and kind of make up what makes us, we've lost discipline, especially in Western civilization, or we lost the spiritual disciplines, which is sad in a way. But then we also have people who overdo it and are legalistic as well. Um, so the only scripture I can lean on the most is 1 Corinthians nine twenty seven, where Paul talks about how he disciplines his body. Um, and then, so then I'll kind of, I'll do that. And I just, y'all can interrupt me anytime. I don't want to preach to anyone today, but I, I did try my best to make sure that when we talk about reading our Bible, prayer, meditating, solitude, 
uh, fasting, and I'll go through another list of what we consider spiritual disciplines, that it's not lost or seen as legalistic. And that that's the biggest thing for me. Um, but just the biblical sense, just the definition of discipline itself, it just means to put under strict discipline or to, to train. And um, so the question is really, what do we train our bodies to do? Um, I drink coffee every morning. That's a bad thing. Um, but I'm not going to stop. Okay. And when I do miss a cup of coffee, we all know what happens. Uh, we have headaches because we've trained our body to accept the caffeine. And right around noon, we crash and our body has adjusted to the crash. And then some of us who drink more than one cup or two cups, we can even sleep because our body has adjusted so much that that training, that discipline. Um, so I'm not there yet. If I drink a cup past six, I do stay up till three. Um, it's a strong cup though. I make the four over. It's really good. Um, but in doing that, it's very much the same spiritual tactic, right? Where we have, we train our bodies to want it. And when we miss it, there's a headache. My only prayer for many of us is that when we look at God and we look at our desire to pray, uh, to talk to him, to communicate, which we'll talk about later, I think in one of the questions, but to talk to God is that when we miss him, we something's gaping hole in our life and that's what training really is so not only is it that but it's instruction it's training it is the what the disciples saw jesus do when he would go over and meditate or spend time in our solitude away from his work and I, I, one of the favorite things that i, I, I again i got to be careful with is some of the disciplines are necessary especially in the world we live that is constantly busy constantly pulling constantly uh, making us anxious and constantly not having a chance to even think or breathe so in saying that, I truly believe that Western civilization is kind of taken away from the ability to say, you know what, I just need time away. I just need time to fast and strip myself and be disciplined in something. But so much of Christianity has been so much pleasure filled. Um, so much of Christianity has been, um, what do you want out of it? Rather than what can I discipline my body to seek God with? Um, so in that, I'll just close with saying discipline for me um, is the ability to restrict so that we can pursue. All right. I know that sounds kind of weird, but it is the ability to say, you know what, I'm going to live in the abstinence of solitude away from people, meditation, prayer, so that I can go seek God in. And, um, so that's one of my favorite definitions. Willard does a way better job. I'm kind of reading from him right now as we speak. But that was one of my things is how do we do that? When should we do it? Um, those are questions I think are pertinent that we should think through. I love the coffee analogy. I can relate with that one for sure. Um, and again, we're just coming to you as like what you've seen in your experiences, either personally or working with uh, people in your community. Um, if you were going to give like a starting place for someone who's newer in their faith, um, what's a place that you would either have them add something or it sounds like you're saying add while taking something else away, because I know we always hear, I don't have time. Right. Uh, right. But what might you recommend for someone who's maybe newer in their faith and someone who's sure. down the path that's looking for the, maybe a next step. Uh, I don't really want to call it a new challenge, but they're wanting to grow spiritually and they feel like they've kind of run out of, you know, options they've checked all these other boxes if you will right or even to the mom of littles who is just 
trying to live on coke or on cokes or on coffee. What would you say to that that mom? Because she also knows I reading my Bible is important. I know that, but I can't keep my eyes open. So hitting all those kind of people in this whole topic of discipline and spiritual discipline and growth. Good luck. Wow. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I'll say this. I have all due respect. My wife stays at home with our three children. And people often say, well, you're home, right? But they don't recognize how much push and pull and wear and tear that is. That is a full-time, I don't even call it full-time because full-time is 40 hours. It is a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week job. So with all due respect, it's going to be even saying that I, I say this humbly and hopefully, not only humbly, but in submission to, in a way, to the, the, the day in which, the way in which you organize your day. Okay, so I don't want to say, well, it's easy. Get up at four. No, like I've been up all night here. Like there's no way I'm getting up at four, right? So I, I, I'm very careful in how I present this. Um, it, it, sadly, I'll, I'll be quick. It was like when, uh, you know, moms of older children used to walk up to us when we had new, and like, it's easy. Just sleep when they sleep, right? And, and it's not that easy. Okay, it's just not. I, I will see my wife try, but her mind is running. She wants to try to cook dinner. She wants to try to do something else. She wants to even try to clean the house. It's not easy to manage time. So when I say these things, again, I say them humbly. My dissertation, they said one thing to us. They said a PhD is not for someone who has time, someone who makes it. So I will be honest in saying spiritual discipline is somebody who makes time and trains the time. It will never be that we have time. If you look at the illustration with Mary and Martha, which I'm pretty sure has been overused, especially on a podcast like this, is that she could have been doing something else. But she chose to sit at Jesus' feet, even to the point where she frustrated Martha. So sometimes it's not the fact that you have time. It's the fact that you deny yourself something else so you can make time. Now, obviously, you can't deny yourself children. So that that's already gone, right? <laughs> or if you don't have children, we still know that you're busy. So I want to respect you as well. I'm not saying one's higher than the other. But what I am saying is it is the saying, I am willing to restrict something else to make time for this. Um, and in, in, even in the most awkward ways, like people do it in, on their toilet time, their closet time. I've seen people make time and make spaces for this, but it is saying, I'm going to have to do it. Right. It's totally different than saying I have it. Nobody has it. I'll, I'll use the example of fasting really quick and I won't give you a lot of scriptures, but a lot of people when they fast, they have no purpose. Right. They just say, I'm going to take away food. All right. But what we do in our spiritual disciplines, my prayer is that you you remove something so that you, again, add something. So people always say that prayer and fasting go together. They go hand in hand. It's, it's a tandem. Or if you're in solitude, you don't want to spend time by yourself just to get away from the kids, but you fill that time with time with God. Whether it's prayer or just not talking, but hearing from God, reading your Bible and asking God to speak to you, that's what solitude should be spent with. So it's not just taking time away, but it's what you fill that time with. And the last thing I'll say is time is precious. So sometimes you may not have 30 minutes. Nobody has 30 minutes. I don't have, I barely have 30 minutes, but it, but I think there's a ceasing or non-ceasing to it where you can say, I'll take five minutes here, three minutes here, two minutes here. But I'm consistently seeking God throughout the period of the day. It just may not be in long periods of time. But for the early person who just started their faith to answer that ex quick question, I, I treat it like a best friend when you were kids. Um, 
you didn't know what to say when you were kids, when you were five years old and you made that best friend in like first kindergarten, like, what's your favorite color? Blue, mine too. We're best friends. And, um, and I hate to do that and try to make them seem immature. But my point is that God loves you and he just wants to spend time with you. And it's not that you have all these eloquent words and you could say pericope and exegesis. It's the fact that you say, God, I just wanted you to lead me in maybe a book that I want to hear about. I often tell friends of mine, they say, hey, where do I start in the Bible? And I say, start with what you want to hear about. What do you want God to speak about in your life? And just start there. And then that'll energize you to keep reading. Right. And then for the veteran, I think it's about the next step. All people always say, Pierre, do you have a... Um, Pierre, do you have a New Year's resolution? I tell him, no, I just ask God. I think it's one of my favorite scriptures where it talks about God, seek, know, and try my anxious thoughts. I really want God to just know me. And when he knows me, he's going to try me, which means to test me. And I, I, I'll pray that that would be something that older Christians do. Say, God, there's always somewhere else I can grow and, and remove our comfort and our complacency. I like that. You're going to, for the, for the veteran, the, old, the person who's older in their faith, I like that because sometimes we are so blind to it. It's like the speck in the plank kind of for like, oh, Farron, you should really work on this, 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 where I need to work on these other things. It's easy to figure out someone else's flaw. Or to say like, oh, I'm doing so good compared to oh, yeah. young in faith. I don't need to mm-hmm. grow anymore because I'm already like the tortoise and the hare. I, I also <laughs> really love that you said it doesn't have to be sit down for 30 minutes straight because what our attention span is what only 10 minutes 14 minutes depending on how old you are or in kids (laughs) so 10 seconds so it doesn't (laughs) sit down for an hour half an hour it can be just like okay all right I'm brushing my teeth I'm gonna pray while I brush my teeth okay yeah I think some people give up if they've set aside time in the morning and something comes up and interrupts that time then it's like okay just can't the rest of the day but I love that like not you specifically but just hearing that permission that it doesn't have to look like cookie cutter if it does for you that's great but just hearing that permission that it can be like while the pizza's cooking in the microwave for two and a half minutes (laughs) (laughs) I like that so you've hit on a couple of different disciplines so we can dive into particular ones do you have any that you want to speak into first? You've mentioned prayer, fasting, solitude, meditation. Do you want to dive into those a little bit more before we hit reading the Bible or anything else? Yeah, no, I, I think that those are my two favorites. Um, fasting, you know, as a church, we fast, you know, for the first week, and that can become really legalistic and ritualistic, right? And I, I often tell people fasting is a discipline. But it's asking God what his will is. And I often think we fast like a magic trick saying, God, now do my will. Right. So that's one thing I always try to correct with our church. They say, hey, don't fast so God can do what you want. Fast so you can hear what he wants to do. Um, and it's and you're removing food and you're filling that time with prayer. Right. So that's the one thing I already said. Solitude is another whole nother awesome opportunity to talk about. But I won't be long because I've been long enough. So solitude to me is just time away. And I always picture Jesus doing this in Matthew 14, 13, 23 through 26, et cetera, Mark 6, 30 through 32. I know that was fast. But he would take time away. He would, and if Jesus himself needs time away from people, who do we think that we don't need time away from people? If Jesus would say, I'm going to go to the hill by myself, even without his disciples, 
So sometimes getting away from your husband so you can hear independently from God. It's getting away from your children, yes. And and but often tell people is that Jesus told his disciples, hey, get in the boat. He had to send them somewhere else to create the solitude. And it's nothing wrong with saying, hey, babe, do you mind taking the kids to the park so I can just spend some time with the Lord? Because everyone's better for it. Um, and I will say this, and I, I, in all due respect to women and men, if you have a chance to spend time with God, marriages are restored, how you treat your children is restored, because God had a chance to show you his grace, show you his word and encouragement. Um, so again, create that time in prayer that everyone's better for it. Um, and I, I, I know that for me, even for me, that if I get time with the Lord, everybody gets better of me. Okay, everyone listening, you have permission to go by yourself somewhere or say, hey, grandma, you got the kids this weekend because the Lord needs <laughs> the Lord. <laughs> All right, Gigi's and Nana's and Mimi's out there. Y'all <laughs> uh, I was just thinking, uh, for people that might not be aware with the term like legalistic, because um, oh, yeah, do talk about like you need to do that right standing with God, and even as far as to say, in order to enter the kingdom of heaven, you have to, um, but yeah, how would you explain um, these practices falling under more of the legalistic umbrella? Yeah, so legalism is when we make a spiritual discipline a law, okay. Um, that's why the word legalism comes from. It's like making it law. And the Pharisees were very good for it, where they would fast and they would have a certain way of fasting. And Jesus was like, you're making this a law. You're making people so uh, burdened down that even Jesus was like, I'll give you rest from their legalism. I know that's a lot. Is that they were wearing down people by saying, that's a law, that's a law, that's a law. If you don't do it now, you're sinning. That's different. God has given us freedom. That's why I said, don't make it so ritualistic and I, you know, in legalistic rack. If I don't do to my devotions, as soon as I get up at 5.25 a.m., I'm now sinning against God. That's when you make it a law. But if you oversleep, but you still find time throughout the period of the day and you find time to spend time with God, that's the whole purpose. The purpose is what matters more than the law. And so I always wanted people to feel in free and in God's grace. So you don't make it what the Pharisees made it, which everything became a law. How you walked, how you talked, the way you dressed, the way you do, read your Bible, all those things became a law. And that, we said, wore down the people. James Clear in the book Atomic Habits talks about how from the outside, people might see habits as like constraints or like, you know, holding a person down. But he talks about how when you set good habits, it actually can give you more time or more energy in your day. And so I know some people might feel like, they ought to do um, these different spiritual habits or they should. But I've, like you said, just having alone time with God, how that goes back and feeds into all these other places in your life, aside from, you know, reaping the rewards yourself. But um, could you speak to that a little bit, how, you know, these practices might start off a little bit. Uh, He talks about reducing the friction um, to make habits easier that, you know, maybe when you start trying to implement these because of the time and the demand, it might feel like a challenge, but how you just get to reap the benefits and so does everyone else in your in your world. Yeah, no, that's a, that's honestly a very good question. And for me, uh, you ever read Charles Hummel? It's called Tyranny of the Urgent. 
Um, tyranny the Urgent really changed my life. I think that was in my PhD. Now it's getting real confused because it's been a lot of school. Um, and they recommended this like 60 pages. And um, it was saying sometimes we allow other people's demands on our life to dictate what we determine as important. It's called tyranny of the urgent. where We make everybody else's demands in our life, rearrange our priorities for the day. And he was saying, reverse that. Make sure your priorities dictate your determination for the rest of your day. I know that doesn't answer your question all the way. And you're right that there is going to be friction in creating discipline. Um, there's never been a point in our life where if you're trying to structure something, it doesn't create sacrifice, which creates friction. Um, and, but that's the hardest part. The hardest part is saying I'm willing to, it's kind of like dieting, right? The first two weeks are horrible. Like, and I'm not even trying to say a success story. Recently I went, I was overweight and I lost about 40 pounds. And, um, and it happened during the pandemic, which is really odd, but I was doing it with one of my friends and I'm very competitive. So I wanted to win. Um, that's just being honest. Okay. So don't, don't judge me. And I won. I did. And I did. I won that. Uh, yeah. That's, that's all that matters. After that, I just ate burgers. Um, but that's not the point. The first two weeks, it was like hard, right? Cause you're saying no fried food, no sugars, no, that means no Chick-fil-A. Like that's where I go like at least three times a week that was sustaining my 205 pounds. Like that's how you can look that good. Chick-fil-A makes you look that good. And um, so it, it was hard to go to Chick-fil-A, see the number one with no pickles and pepper jack cheese. And then say, can I have the grill club with no bread? You're like, what is, what am, what is life coming to? Um, but then after that, it became easy. Cause then I would go to the same spots. I find my same salads and I, by that time, then you start to see the what? You start to see the results. First week, five pounds. Next week, another five pounds. And all of a sudden, six months in, you're down 30. And you realize it wasn't that hard. So yes, the first time you try to create discipline in your life will create friction. Um, but that friction is better for everybody. Now I'm healthy. Now my knees don't hurt. Now my back doesn't hurt as much. Now I can exercise more. All those things have changed. So we interviewed Joe Paris, and I think it's episode 62 in the Switch on Your Brain miniseries. And he talked about over the course, he has a theological apologetics background. That's what he got all his degrees in. And he talked a lot about how over the course of time, you read your Bible over and over and over. And then you realize when something happens, a red flag goes off in your head and you realize, wait, that's not what the Bible says. But it's over the course of time of you developing that discipline that you see the results later. So like you were saying, Pierre, at first it's horrible or you feel like nothing's happening. Like I've dieted for one day and I haven't lost a pound. <laughs> this is bad. Congrats on winning. By the way. But it's over the course of time. And then it's almost like your habit is addicting where you're like, yeah, I want to keep doing that. Because James Clear also talks about making the habit satisfying. So once you see those results come, you're like, well, yeah, that's a great idea. Let me keep doing that. Right. So we've talked about some different disciplines and we talk a lot about getting in the word more because how do you know who God is if you don't read about him? So what would you say, what would be a good starting off point, especially for those three different types of people we talked about? Yes, and you shared earlier, start with what you want to know, which I thought was really interesting. And I was like, but if you read the book titles, you 
again, just for someone starting out, like lamentations, you're no. like, numbers, I'm good at math. Let me start there. <laughs> do you, do you have either a resource or a place to go to find, you know, if you're new to the faith or new to reading your Bible, some people have been going to church forever, but you know, might not have spent time reading the Bible themselves where I, you can answer her question, but I would like to know, um, if you have a resource, you know, if I want to learn more about um, forgiveness or yeah. grief or some topics like that, um, how do you find those things? Um, so a lot of people, when they say in seminary, like, well, start in John. John explains the gospel. John explains this. Um, it's very kind of clean cut. And I agree that if you're just trying to understand who God is and who Jesus is and what he's done for us and the sacrifice he's made and in raising from the dead, then, yeah, John is a great place to start in the word of God. Um, so I understand that, but if you're saying, Hey, Pierre, you're right. Now, I think that's a beautiful question, by the way. And you're right. I, I say, Hey, start with what you want to learn, but you have no idea where to start. And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. That's coming from, again, a person who knows the resources to go to, to find the topics he wants to learn about. So you're right. So if you're starting brand new, then I would say, yeah, start in the book of John. If you don't have some of these resources, I will say though, that I do think one of the concerns for our faith especially as people have made it a little tickling to the ear I guess is the best choice of words I made it very appetizing is that it's taken away the independent growth for everybody and the sacrifice it takes and the reason why I say that is because just like we spend money in things that we love I honestly hope that people start learning how to spend a little bit of money on resources so you can do what you're asking Right. And I'm not talking about do what I've done on this Bible program for like thousands of dollars. I'm not saying that. But I am saying that we should be able to spend thirty dollars and sacrifice thirty dollars and say, you know what, I want to get what you're talking about as a concordance. Where a concordance, you can open it up, you could buy it on Amazon, they probably have it used, and it has all the categories in which we can go find in alphabetical order and it gives you scriptures to go read about. So if it says prayer, then you have a whole concordance worth of prayer scriptures. If it says God's promises, you can go read about God's promises. If you're struggling with anxiety, fear, you can go read about those things because now it's going to help you in your spiritual walk. Even sometimes I was, I was wrestling with the other day and I was doing a sermon and I never knew the word depression, like depressed was in the Bible. You know, you often think nobody was depressed in the Bible. Nobody was sad. Yeah, that's in the Bible. And, and I had a chance to study that and preach on that. So, so that, that's big. So for me, it will be a concordance. Then this other thing called a commentary. Um, there's two of them that I, Tony Evans just wrote one that I, I, I admire and respect him. Uh, the Bible knowledge commentary. We grew up that at Dallas theological seminary. That's one. And then I recommend one Bible program that made me get me in trouble, but it got me through seminary and it's called logos. They have a starter pack, but that's, if you're like, you know, you're going to spend a couple hundred dollars and I know that sounds crazy, but there's like an introductory where you can get like Bibles and concordance and like one commentary for like free. Then it starts out with a base package. And I would challenge people, hey, just download onto your phone, download it onto your computers, and just give that a shot. You can search up things and they'll find them all over the Bible for you. Those sound like excellent resources. And for those listening, we'll link everything in the show notes and also the verses that Pierre has mentioned. We'll put all of it in the show notes. So if you are driving, don't type while you're driving. We'll put it all in the show notes. It's Atomic Habit. It's wittyandgritty.blog forward slash Atomic Habits. That's where you're going to find all these resources and we'll make sure that they get in there. Okay, another question for you. So as far as habit of prayer goes, we talked about reading the Bible, finding resources that you can use. And we have, we have touched on prayer, but how, 
again, addressing the different groups that we've talked about, yeah, how can we get in a habit of prayer? A lot of times people, I don't know what to pray about, or I'm really struggling with this thing. Is it okay? Like, what if I'm just mad at God? What do I do then? How do I, how do I navigate those conversations? And maybe not so much finding, like we've spent a lot of time on finding time, but like, and you talked about earlier, what's your favorite color? But um, yeah, I guess how, like having that conversation or just starting with what you're grateful for um, or just even what you use, if you don't mind sharing, uh, maybe some examples. Yeah. So the best way to address what to pray over and is it has to, you first have to establish the relationship. Okay. Because if you genuinely love God, you're going to want to talk to him and you're going to want him to talk back. So it, I equate it to, I hate to say it because not everybody's married. Um, so I don't want to say, oh, marriage life, or it could be just a friendship or a sister that you call and faith. But any, anybody that you are genuinely in love with, the first thing you do when good news or bad news happens, you pick up the phone and you call that person, right? And I just think that God should be the same way. It's because you're desperately in love with him. That's the first thing you want to tell God, thank you for this. If you're having something happen to you, that's great. But you also want to say, I don't understand this and I am frustrated. It's the same way we treat our friends, our significant others, our loved ones. It's the same way we should treat God. Um, but that comes with, uh, I hate to keep being redundant, but that comes with relationship and that comes with love. When I saw the question, I, I honestly wrote three Ps, purpose, plan, and privilege. Sounds crazy. But if you, if you remember the purpose for prayer, right? The purpose was for you to have, I hate to go super biblical, but that he ripped the veil when Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins so you can have access unto God because he wanted you to have opportunity to intercede on your behalf as Jesus does for us and also intercede for your friends. So pray for your friends. Pray for those who are loved. Them. Pray for the sick, that God is still working miracles. We believe that he can heal people. So there's so many things for us to pray for, especially in the world that we live in, like, we're talking about people who are dying every single day, whether it's shootings or our government. Pray for them, even if you disagree with them. So pray there's so much to pray for. So you can intercede, which is the Old Testament definition of interceding. Um, and then the privilege is that Jesus died to give you the privilege. So therefore, you should say, man, I, I get a chance to lift it up to somebody who can actually do something about it. And that's the crazy part is oftentimes we vent to people who can do nothing about fixing it. So why not vent to somebody who can actually do something about it? And pray and have faith that he can. Now, it may not be what you want every time, but at least you know that you can give it to somebody else and you can let him carry your burden with you. And then the plan is for you to hopefully hear back. And that's where reading your Bible comes. So I know we talked about that already. That's great. Well, man, time flew. This was so good. It was so good. <laughs> but at the end of every interview, I do ask the question. I want to, and you have plenty of think time um, because it wasn't on the list, but um, throughout our discussion um, in preparing for the interview, is there any last words of wisdom that you want to share with our audience? Maybe we didn't ask the right question to tee up just something you have on your heart um, for our audience to hear and the idea of spiritual growth and having spiritual habits and feel free. You can be redundant, so you don't have to apologize for that. Just because we gave them a ton. Mm -hmm. So even if they're like overwhelmed, guys, you're going to have to listen to it again, take notes or a point you want to drive home. So you have a lot of flexibility in this, but is there anything else you'd like 
to share with our audience? So first, I, I want to apologize for talking fast. Um, I, that's just my nature. Um, number two, I want to thank you so much for allowing this opportunity. And it's just graciously. But three, what's been on my heart lately, especially since this podcast is targeted. I'm not saying everybody only listens is a woman. So I just want to I just want you to know that God sees, values, loves, and highlights women that sometimes the church has failed at. We often don't think about who are who are the people at the cross that were women, who were the people at the tomb, women, who were the people all over the New Testament that highlights ministry and serves and leads all over the church, women, and we 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 have have made it a male dominant sport. Um, I hate to say the word sport, but we have made it a male domineering aspect. But I want you to know that not only does God see you, I was reading a scripture of the day and just reading it, but he, he was highlighting a woman. It was in Job. I know it sounds like the really weird part, right? But it was in Job chapter 42. And at the end, you would think that he would talk about his sons getting all the restoration or the, the when he got all everything back twofold you would think it would be hell oh, that, that he'll talk about his sons that, that they're going to take over they're going to get the inheritance but then it says at the end it says but his his daughters were fairer all than the most fair in the country and they were given inheritance just like the sons so i guess this podcast is making sure and i love the fact that y'all are targeting women because it's making sure that hey you have just as much of god's inheritance as anybody else. And I pray that this is a part of the inheritance that you get to hear about God's love for you, how he cherishes you, honors you, values you, no matter if you work from home or you are a Fortune 500 president leading company. It doesn't matter. God sees you, he loves you, and he wants to spend time with you. This is gonna be probably one of my favorites. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, all the other people we've interviewed. <laughs> we don't say that often. Uh, like, I can't. Less than on my hand, so yeah. way to go, Pierre. Okay, so Pierre, where can people find you on the internets or learn more about your church? Sure, so uh, lwfellowshipchurch.org, that's the church. Find all the information there. Um, I'm on all social media platforms. Um, but honestly, you know, it's not hard to find an African-American Pierre Canning, so we can start there. Um so I'm pretty sure you just Google it. And you're like, oh, there's only one in Houston. Um, <laughs> New Orleans may be a little different. They got a lot of French out there. <laughs> and not so much. But And we just started a nonprofit called Acts to Houston, which was about diversity and seeking God's diversity. And that launched ooh, two weekends ago. And that was amazing to have Dr. Tony Evans come by. And he was our, our speaker and be able to give some causes. So anything that I can do to serve you all again, it's been an honor, an honor and a joy and a privilege. And I thank you. Well, we'll definitely have you back one day. Yeah. Everybody, we're going to link all this stuff, including the nonprofit information. That's a big deal. So great job on that. And thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been so great. Yes. No, yes. thank you. We help hardworking Christian women get the growth they want by giving them the tools they need in order to have more joyful lives. We love providing our Christian-based personal growth podcast to our listeners at no cost. If you are enjoying the content, please consider supporting our mission by donating to our Patreon. We're a small team creating the show for our community by researching, recording, and producing the episodes ourselves. Any amount is greatly appreciated. Your support will help offset the cost of making and hosting the show. 
as a thank you, you can receive exclusive access. For more details on specific membership tiers, visit our Patreon page. Go to patreon.com forward slash witty and gritty. We've included the link in the show notes.